What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you. You almost had me? You never had me. You never had your car. Shaw, the one we tore half of London down trying to get. Well, this is a big bad brother, a British Special Forces assassin, kind of a unique asset that no government would ever admit to employing. He also tried to put me in a body bag, which is why when I get out, I'm gonna put a hurt on him so bad he's gonna wish his mama had kept her legs closed. Would you believe I knocked him out with my charm? You need that charming bitch. Vision hubs, right? That's right. I'm also the last man on earth whose computer you want to be hacking into. You just earned yourself a dance with the devil boy. Stay the fuck out of my way. Did you bring the cavalry? Woman, I am the cavalry. If you're some man! Hey guys, welcome into episode 8 of Film Tank. I'm your host, Alex Diekman, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the newly released 2015 film, I guess you would call it, not a movie, it is a movie, for sure. <laughs> well, there's a difference between film and movie, you guys. Is there really? There is, there is though, even though there there are films that are films and films that are movies, but that's okay. It's a It's a discussion for a different day. Uh, yeah, I would, because <laughs> I really want to know more. So I guess oh. we'll have to do that. Well, today. someday uh. Professor Alex will will uh, talk more about it. I guess. Moving on from that, though, is uh, as we have tended to have some awkward starts to this show. Let's keep with that theme. We are talking about Furious Seven, the seventh installation into the Fast and Furious series, and we're going to discuss more about it here in a few minutes. First, let's introduce the panelists who have already made themselves known here. Uh, Nick Cheney here with us as usual today. Beep, beep. I'm a car. (laughs) (laughs) I think that spoke for itself. Also, Toussaint Egan laughing in the background. Yeah, man, he's having a he's having a Richard Pryor moment here. Be careful you don't freebase too close to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other voice you hear is Kenny Marcellus. What's going on? Uh, we're talking about cars. That's what's fucking going on. <laughs> talking man. about cars. Yeah, that's why I made the honking noise. I, <laughs> yes, Nick, we know. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Moving on, <laughs> Kenny's usually the one who has to say that, but actually, moving on. I mentioned we're talking about Furious Seven today on the show, and if you want to listen to the show, you can listen to it on both iTunes and Stitcher. You can also rate and review on both of those services. You can also find us on FilmTankShow.com. You can also email the show at filmtankshow at gmail.com if you want to send us an email about what you thought of the movie Furious 7 or other movies we've been reviewing or things we've talked about on the show. We'd appreciate emails uh, to the website, or to, to pardon me, the email, filmtankshow at gmail.com. 
can also find us <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Kenny's My bad. deciding this is the perfect moment to turn on his computer. So not when the show, before the show began, but during the show. And his uh, computer, the last episode, was creating a hum throughout the yeah. entire microphone. What movie are so. we reviewing today? You um, said that. I've said it twice. What? Did you guys smoke weed before you came no. over? No. I didn't smoke weed. Nick maybe did. Man, I'm drinking coffee. I'm he, totally sober. He came here in a fucking orange collared shirt, man. He is ready to party. <laughs> Alex, right. what, the, what is the film about? Furious 7 uh, follows uh, Dominic. I'll be here all day. <laughs> Dominic Toretto and his family, which is uh, a whole slew of characters that have been adding and subtracted and added again after they were subtracted in earlier films throughout the series. It's an adopted family. (laughs) Uh, They are being hunted by Deckard Shaw, who is the brother of, I can't remember, is it Ethan Shaw or Dylan Shaw or Owen Shaw? Owen Shaw, who is played by uh, Luke Evans in the sixth film. Uh, Deckard is his brother, and he's his big bad brother, and he's played by Jason Statham, and he's uh, seeking them out, and that is, for the most part, the plot of the movie, but it, as with all these movies, there's a side plot happening as well that involves Kurt Russell and Juman Hansu from uh, Blood Diamond. This is a a very interesting film. Obviously, the big thing about it was Paul Walker uh, not able to complete all of his scenes, uh, had some CGI, had his brothers, had a lot of other techniques brought in. And honestly, it was done done very well from what I uh, could see, everything with it. It's a PG-13 movie that just got released uh, last week. And let's start with Nick talking about his feel. I know he's probably the biggest fan of the Fast and Furious series on this show. So let's hear hear uh, his thoughts of the new one. <laughs> just got to take a moment here. I guess so. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I absolutely love this movie. Every <laughs> second of it, it's... This is the most fun I'll probably ever have in the theater all year. Not not ever. Oh, I was, I was no, going to say, oh man, no, dropping no. down the gauntlet. No, but there's always one blockbuster pretty yeah. much every year that I, I completely cling to and just eat up. And this is definitely, I can't imagine I'll like any other summer, summer blockbuster more than this one. Um, this is, for me, this is everything that Six got wrong, which is a film <laughs> that I actually do enjoy for what it is, mm-hmm. but... It, it, I would say it corrects all the bad stuff about that. For the by, most... by not casting Gina Carano, that's that's a good one step no, in the right direction. She's fine. She was the was she? She was. <laughs> the, she's got one of the most memorable parts of that movie with uh, okay. Michelle Rodriguez and her on the subway stairs. That's one oh, of the best yeah. scenes in that it's, entire movie. Okay, very good. Well, um, we had we had different thoughts on that movie, so that's okay. We did, but. Um, But no, this is... Oh, man. I don't even know how to talk about this movie without sounding like a 13-year-old boy. Just let it loose, man. (laughs) No, it's just... This is just everything. They dialed everything up to uh, 11, as I want to say. Mm -hmm. Um, The the Rock is thankfully uh, much better at being The Rock in this than he was at number six. Dude, he's he's got some great lines in this movie. He's much more of a side character than he was in five and six, which I think was a good decision, too. Yes, and that's what makes his scene all the more better. I mean, I'm convinced that they gave his character a child just so that he could get up and say, Daddy's got to go to work. Well, and my favorite line, for sure, is when... And uh, Letty says, hope you brought the Calvary. Yeah. Woman, I am the Calvary. Yes. Yeah. And there's so much of that ridiculousness packed.
packed into this film that it's it's like literally I could be here all night telling well, every and single like he's got his broken arm Dude. and he, he breaks the cast off while he, he makes a flexes fist. his arm yeah. and he breaks the cast <laughs> that it, you know okay here's a good actually what I love about the the, the franchise as a whole and it, it's definitely taken a shift after the fourth film into yes. a much more I wouldn't say playful area but it's become a lot less serious and a lot more about these crazy plots and explosions and shooting and right. it's also had a lot bigger of a budget since then Correct. but it's uh it's become a, a a different entity than it was earlier yeah and thank god for that <laughs> um but what i i think the scene that i come back to as far as like as a microcosm of what i love both about this film and this franchise in general is actually the opening scene uh jason statham uh <laughs> and un, you know we've only seen him for like a few seconds in the past movie because he comes right at the very end of uh six literally in the credits mm-hmm. so he's just this new villain up on the scene when he is talking to his brother in the hospital bed completely uh, genuine and earnest about how he's gonna avenge him little brother and whatever yeah and it is just the most saccharine thing ever but he's given it as all and then he walks out of the hospital room while the credits start to play and he's apparently annihilated everybody <laughs> in sight just to get to this hospital room why i have no idea because there's no reason as to why they would not let him obviously into this hospital room but that scene both shows how these movies take themselves so seriously and yet take the piss out of that seriousness mm-hmm. at every turn. And that's, that's pretty much what, what I come back to is why I love it. It's just like, it gets to have his cake and eat it too. And not just eat it, but fucking blowing it up at every turn. <laughs> the the great part about that scene too, is it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous as he gets further. When he gets the elevator, there's like tanks parked outside. <laughs> there's fires, the whole yeah. building's collapsing. And we never really get an explanation. Not that we need one, uh, but as to why this would have ensued, but we, it just is all the better because we just we only see the aftermath, which is just so much funnier. Yeah, well, Jason Statham is a perfect. This is a perfect movie for him. He's had all the leading roles in movies like The Transporter and the Crank movies, <laughs> which can have their moments that be kind of fun. But he's way better being a supporting character. Agreed. And um, for the most part, I mean, I do think the movie somewhat peaks in the middle. The um, I want to say like the twenty to thirty minute. Uh, set piece of when they're on the mountain Mm -hmm. you know and uh trying to get the hacker i forget the name of uh i think the actual hacker's name was ramsey but they she was being guarded by juman hansu and tony jaw for some reason which was great like that's that's the mo of the franchise right there we don't need to do this but we will because why the fuck not (laughs) and um so to have these guys that whole set piece of from them from the time that they get on from the time that they drop out of an airplane in their cars to uh car skydiving exactly nice touch yeah, um, to the time of when they finally get off that mountain, which is like a good 25-minute uh, sequence. I think the action itself kind of peaks there because I don't know that the film ever truly got back up to that moment. But Ooh, there are really I, as far as like wowing me with what it uh, with what it's doing. Stunts. The skyscraper scene didn't do it for you. Well, considering that's all CGI and whatnot, I mean. I like that scene, and that's oh another... yeah, because they definitely dropped those planes out of an airplane. That no, really not happened. the plane, but I'm talking about like the driving on the mountainside. Right. And whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the the scene Kenny is referencing, the building scene. I feel like that is a much smaller set piece because there is an intimate hotel setting, and right. then it and ends it's up just a thing that happens. But it's such that scene is one of my favorites too, not because of the car thing, because that, that was cool about it. Um, but the two ridiculous parts of that scene where Ronda Rousey arrives and is fighting Michelle Rodriguez and they have this ridiculous fight and end up 
landing on the DJ stand where Tyrese is making a total asshole of himself trying to be a diversion. And then it's your 18th birthday. Yeah. What? <laughs> that was great. He was great in this movie. He was perfectly yeah. played in this movie. I disagree. No, I, I actually thought that he was, he was the only thing that should not have been dialed up to 11. Mm. Like uh, there were a lot of moments that I loved of him as far as like when he did the whole team leader thing and, yeah. Um, and his uh, reaction of him in the airplane that's oh, yeah. just gold. Or like him pushing the brake pedal while he's but floating the air. through the when air. They, when they let him basically just improvise and do the whole Tyrese yeah. Gibson hour, yeah. that's when I was like, eh, He was way stupid. better than in five and six, I thought, for, for me in this I movie. I agree with that. Yeah. But it, that was the one thing where I'm like, okay, now they've gone too far. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, oh, yeah. oh, oh, that was it. That, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> which is saying something. Well, um, the, the other part of that scene I was going to get to yeah. real quick was uh, – them needing to look under that amazingly expensive car for that little chip. Dude, and yeah. Dominic just pulls just up the car up. and just yeah. holds it there. And yeah. and Paul Walker is saying these little things like, you got this? You good? Okay. Yep. <laughs> hey, you, you brought her up, Alex. Can we talk for a second about how fucking awful Ronda Rousey was? Yeah, Holy we can. Shit. That's kind of where I was going to with Gina Carano in the last movie. I thought they were pretty much... For me, at least Dude. the same thing where they're just dropping these lines and it just every time not she opened anything. her mouth, it was a train wreck. <laughs> she is not oh. meant to be an actress. Train wreck. What, what was her exact words? Like, I find these parties so boring. Yeah, like, she was oh, supposed. For, why yeah. was she supposed to have an accent? Why couldn't she just be American? I, I don't know, but it. she's only in it for like five minutes, so it doesn't really. Yeah, but it does because you, you everything about like her like movements and fighting was like that was fine. You Although most the same thing about Iggy. Who? Iggy. Iggy Azalea. Yeah. Was in the beginning. Damn, girl. I didn't was, know Ghost yeah, didn't Girl. Know she was the blonde she was in the, the beginning. Um, the one who's like the, the Letty super fan. Yeah. yeah. Dur- during the beginning. Alex during, isn't up on <laughs> Anyway. Pop. He's not up on also, pop Going, going back to, uh, okay. to Ronda Rousey. I mean, that's such a insignificant part that I can't really Well, but it, 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 it sticks that. out, at least to me, for a film that I absolutely love. It did not it stick was... out more than what was actually ensuing, which was the Tyrese Gibson hour. Like, oh, okay. It was not as bad as that. I'd rather have somebody... But she also a... played herself in a way like she's a fighter and she got her ass yeah. kicked in the movie. She's, yeah. Everything about it was just bad. She, she wasn't supposed to be in this movie. Well, what other feelings do you have, Kenny? We'll just jump to you as you uh, already brought up a couple things, and yeah. we, nobody cares what Tucson. Yeah, thinks. fuck Tucson. So let's <laughs> okay. Let's let's skip over him and go to you and uh, get some more general thoughts. On uh, this, one. this was a balls to the wall, high octane, just nonstop thriller. It really just. Do never... you want to put that on the side of the poster? <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude! If you if you put at least a somewhat legitimate sounding newspaper behind it, you might end up being on the uh, DVD box. So <laughs> they'll take anybody. I mean. <clears throat> All right, so let me preface this by saying I had watched the first one way back in the day. Never watched any more of these movies. And Nick, you talked me into it. You're you, welcome. you persuaded me. <laughs> and in doing this show, I wanted to catch up on all of them. I watched every one of them this week and fucking fell in love with this franchise. <laughs> and I, I cannot say enough about this. Is I, I don't think this is going to be the finale. Based no. on numbers alone, many more are going to be coming. Based so. on numbers, box office numbers alone, they're they're even if they run it into the ground, they're going to make more of these. When when you have a blockbuster that was made for one of the highest price tags of all time and two hundred fifty million dollars, mm. and it it surpassed that by ninety million its opening weekend, one does not simply right. walk away. Yeah, there's going to be more. Yeah, so they <clears throat> they've made. Uh, quite a name for themselves as far as every movie escalating to the next level of ridiculousness and this was not a letdown <laughs> in any way shape or form whether they were skydiving in cars or jumping from skyscraper to skyscraper or 
At one point, Dom is in a street fight with uh, Jason Statham, and I mean, he fucking st- what did he do? He stomped on the ground and like the 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 parking structure they were on fighting on had gotten shot by a helicopter. So so it, so the ground started cracking. Yeah, and Dom decides he's going to end the fight by stomping. He you, stomped you know, the yard. Yeah. You you know how every street fight ends, and then he just stomps on the ground, and and, and the, the, the ground just crumbles, and Jason Statham falls yeah, many levels down. But he's still alive, so it doesn't still, really matter, dude. And it, dude, the scene, the the amount of times that Vin Diesel walked away from horrible things happening, it's just for the most part, it's gotten to the point where people are pretty much indestructible. They're fucking in indestructible, and they just ratchet it up even more. Yeah, tell that to Han, unless they die off screen, like Han. Yeah. He I was going to say off screen. He died on screen. Also, did you guys? I just want to know: Did anybody catch Han's real name? <laughs> In uh, if you look closely, yes, this is real. Yeah. If you look closely at the file that uh, Statham's characters bring it up toward the beginning of the film, and you see his picture, if you look closely, his his name is Han Solo, but it's it's, it's spelled <laughs> oh, like like Soul the city. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, but boy. yes, his, wow. his name is uh, Han Solo. In case Dude, you didn't know that, that is just not a surprise at all. With this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is just such a non surprise. Mm-hmm. He looks. So much like Jimmy Page, the guitar player from Led Zeppelin. I don't know if anybody else ever thinks that, but who does? Han. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, he actually ended up overall being probably one of my favorite characters. That's why he was brought back because he dies in three. But then right. they're like, "Oh, he's so good." And then like, yeah. "Okay, well then four, five, and six take place before three. I love how they made these out of order and and just had to totally rearrange the writing. But it ended up being okay. Even the uh, the comeback scene where the guy from Tokyo Drift comes back, right? I'd, Ten years yeah. older, oh, and yet <laughs> okay. But it wasn't like a situation with Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit where they brought back Ian McClellan to play Gandalf, and he's supposed to be it was twenty kind years of like that. It was not as bad as that. I thought he definitely looked older, but I did not think it was awkwardly bad. It was yeah. To me, it was a ten year difference, and yet it's supposed to be a literally a. The next scene after Tokyo <laughs> yeah. Drift. So I know. Now well, I appreciate it in these movies because I'd rather them do whatever the hell they want to do and just completely damn any logic. So I don't think it's a bad thing. But the it, last thing I want to get at before I give the floor to Tucson because we're not going to skip over him. Oh, we'll let him say a few. Thanks, things. man. We'll let him say a couple things. Thanks, man. Um, it was hard to go into this movie, as I'm sure a lot of people was the same case, and I, I think is a big part of why this movie did so well. It was hard to go into it without the whole Paul Walker story. And um, I found myself uh, throughout the majority of the film, it, it was hard to to watch him without constantly thinking about the, same the obvious. Yeah. I was just talking to Nick about this in the car. Is like, just like, how am I supposed to look at this film and assess right. this film? It's like, am I supposed to look at this film? If I was somebody who lived in... As 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 Alex said before, if I lived under a rock in Detroit, <laughs> um, and I didn't know that Paul Walker had passed right. uh, in the middle of the production of this film, and I watched this film, I would think that the the entire undercurrent of Paul Walker's character and the eventual send off for that character would be kind of what? yeah, but, but right, but it's his entire like absence after his death colors the entire tenor and tone of this film, right. Because, yeah, I, I one found, last ride. That's right, the, I found myself thinking the entire movie, like 
if I didn't, like you were saying, if mm-hmm. I didn't know what had happened, I, would I think so highly of this movie? Because yeah. I think it played a lot into the into this film and the feel of it, knowing that going in that Paul I Walker had passed. I personally think this is the kind of movie that I'll like more on a second viewing now that I know where it's heading. Because I agree with you in that every scene I watched, I'm like, okay, so is he going to like die here? Or is he going to, you know, like, and I kept wondering, right. like, it was almost like a horror movie. Like, is this going to, you know, come into fruition? Mm-hmm. Having seen the entire movie now and then I know where yeah. that journey is headed, a, it just it's an amazing conclusion to it, and yeah. B, knowing that you know there's not danger around every corner, and for the most part, this is just another fun romp. It'll probably make me enjoy some of those other early, like the scenes with him and Tony Jaa fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, despite the fact that I said that the action peaked in the uh, in the middle sequence, the most fun I had during this entire film, and I was giggling in my seat, was the. Uh, scene between uh, John and him at the end of the film when they're sliding down the stairs on the door. That was just one of the coolest things. <laughs> that I've was ever like seen. the raid two levels of like yeah. insanity. I think that's <laughs> what I liked most about Tony Jaw's character is they didn't make him out to be like a Jackie Chan or something in this movie where he had to have all of these lines of dialogue. He has the one somewhat major line of dialogue which just says too slow and that's all he really says in yeah. English. Yeah. Comes back to bite him. Oh, it does. By the same person. And then that person is dead in real life, so that's weird. I saw this. (laughs) But still, Tony Jaa, I feel like, was utilized perfectly by the filmmakers, which I was, that was one of the things I was concerned about. I was literally, during the fight of theirs on that bus or whatever truck in the middle of the movie, I just, I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, oh my God, please let Tony get away. And the minute he does, and he like you know he runs off and he jumps off. I'm like yes, because then I knew of course he would show up later. So yeah. it, I was it, I had the opposite reaction of like I didn't want not that I wanted Paul Walker to lose, but I was like so hoping that he got away and then he did. So but it is the perfect use of him because he only shows up when needed. That, right. that scene with the stairs, my my I saw it with my brother. I saw this movie, and he was mentioning. I didn't even think about it at the time, but looking back, it makes sense that. <laughs> The ridiculousness of the length of that staircase was like a total throwback to the ridiculous of the runway in the sixth movie. Almost like they were poking fun at how over the top that was. And oh boy, Alex, I mean, that was your favorite I, scene. I, I from, got a shit face on. I, I, I suppose. And here's the thing. And Nick has talked to me about this, and he's tried to explain to me that I mean, it does, explaining. It, that's the point. It, it doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't. That is matter. the problem. You need to be explained to. But here's what the, is your problem? <laughs> why does it always come back to me? Everyone's got to give me shit about everything. What I'm saying about the runway thing in Furious, Fast and Furious Six, is that it just. It's it's kind of a microcosm of that entire film where I feel like they put so much more thought into Fast Five and Furious Seven. Not that the if the effects are necessarily like realistic, but I feel Dude, I feel way more that they actually could like this could be happening. Twenty why fucking minutes, matter? like twenty what? minutes at the end of Fast Five, they drag a fucking vault yeah, through an entire town. No it makes no fucking sense. Okay. It was great. But and why was, are you? Great. The, here's the my question: the though, Why do you want to get real, like a slice of realism out of this? Because if I it feel... took you till that point of Fast and Furious Six <laughs> to get hung up on something, yeah. what the hell is wrong okay. with you? Yeah, you know that, what? I don't that, think this could actually happen, you guys. <laughs> that, okay, okay. <laughs> Just, that isn't the fuck. Oh. This that shit don't make sense. In okay. Too Fast, just... Too Furious, he drives like Corvette into a boat. I don't like Too Fast, Too Furious. It's terrible. So is Tokyo Drift. So whatever. No, that's actually a good one. Well, that's a really good one. That's your unfortunate. I have no process. horse in this race. It's well, just that's like, fine. You, Sant also hasn't even given his opinion. It's not yet. even a horse. Yeah. 
Can we, can well, we, we got off on a tangent about that runway shit from the sixth movie, which there were so many unrealistic parts of Furious, Fast and Furious 6. This had an ambulance <laughs> crashing into a, a helicopter drone, and yet there's no reason as to why he would have aimed that perfectly. I mean, this had him... Uh, the rock dissembling a drone's machine gun, and yet still able to function it perfectly. So, and it the, was awesome. I mean, in Fast and Furious okay, 6. I agree, but how in, is this any different than anything that happened in, in 6? Alex, this yeah. has a car going from a building to another building to another Alex, building. In, and it was awesome. In 6, the scene with the tank on the freeway, which happens before the yeah. runway incident. You didn't get hung up at any point during the fucking tank? <laughs> no, I did. That's what I'm trying to go back to, is that some of the things that happen in F- Furious 7, but earlier he- on in the film, seem more plausible than in Fast and Furious about, 6, where but, everything was pretty much... How about the opening of the fourth movie, with the tanker trailer rolling down this cliff, and then they, <laughs> they magically just drive under it and escape without getting blown up? I'm, I'm not you didn't saying- get hung up there? There was no... <laughs> okay, I'm not talking about getting hung up. I, I really didn't care for the runway thing just because I thought it was stupid. I don't know why <laughs> everyone is getting so fucking defensive well, about this. I just this. don't see Both how you it's guys different. I'm, so I'm not mad at you, Alex. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone's gotten so defensive about me talking one bad thing about this series. Personally, the runway scene was fucking awesome when they drove the car <laughs> out of the front of the plane. Also, dude, dude, I, I just want to so point cool. out because I want to throw your logic back at you because you were telling me earlier about right. how... No, no, I just want to... No, this is good. When, when you were telling me earlier about how you saw somewhere, I don't know what whether it was a video or an article that yeah. said something about like how the building thing is like one of the more realistic Yeah, again, I, I told you the, the source that I got that from, I, don't, I wouldn't really call okay. it reliable. Well, okay, if we're just playing that game, I've read an article that says <laughs> that the... The runway, the length of the runway is actually not that ridiculous, and that is physically possible. So okay. I'm just saying, well, like, if we're going to look for that, then that's fine. But in what way do you get more out of these films believing in them than if you do? It isn't even necessarily that I need to believe it. It just the the. In- <laughs> Who was that? I'm sorry. I, I, rolled a, I rolled a pencil and it's something weird. Uh, every week, it's either it's ripping off the beer label or that shit. Oh, man. Okay. I, Next I week, wanna... he's going to bring a baby. I think he's Please trying to give his that. opinion now is what he's trying to do. I'm not giving my opinion. I'm okay. to give my opinion. The entire scene is based on that runway thing. It just keeps going on and on. I'm thinking how more ridiculous every part of it's getting. Where there are ridiculous things in all the other movie, but I feel like they're short by comparison where it was not the entirety of the 20 minute final scene <sighs> whatever you I guys know. can just, just it doesn't it doesn't really matter the, because i can feel that way and it doesn't really matter well, what anyone else's guess, opinion is see, on, so for, for me i'm, I'm gonna so kind of showed us fuck you guys <laughs> alex i had a moment similar to you it took me until i mean i i realized very early on that these are just full of ridiculousness yeah but it wasn't actually until the end of fast five that i finally had that are you fucking kidding me moment with with the bank vault and it's just one of those things that you with these movies you fucking know what you're in for and if you can't let anything that's going to happen in this movie go well that's i think it's it's not so much that no no no, i just want to explain something it's not so much that you think that that runway thing is ridiculous i just don't understand how you love seven it's because we're gonna get to that obviously right. i think you like seven the most out of all four of us somehow i, I like yet, the fast five but and like furious. six is some kind of like shit to you because i don't like, like fast and furious six as a movie have you only period. seen it one time yeah maybe you just 
watched it at a, you know in a, in let's, a funky let's stop the something. podcast let's go watch it and yeah. then we'll come back <laughs> can i give my opinion of the film first <laughs> <laughs> i sounds like a little kid i'm just a little kid in the corner of my ball i'm like can i play yeah. you guys how about, so, how, so about just... how about we go watch fast furious 6 while he gives his opinion <laughs> yeah. he's gonna get this very like technical thing well marshall McLuhan would say oh this. shut up man <laughs> all right tucson go ahead <laughs> Okay, but but about Fury. No, <laughs> shut up. Anyway, so in, in case the uh, the the listener has not clued in yet, I'm I'm pretty much on the the low end of the spectrum of, of hype, uh, whereas Nick is at the absolute peak. That's right. Um, I I'm gonna be honest about this. I actually have not seen any of the other Fast and Furious films, with the exception of Fast Five. But I so this conversation's no fun for you. You have no fucking it, it, idea what I we're am, talking about. I am. Uh, Dude, I'm zoning out right now. Anyway, it, it's it's fun watching you rip Alex apart. That's like that's a great spectator sport. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not an easy target. Go team. Like anyway, yeah. um, but I gotta say that going into this almost completely clean, I really enjoyed this film. I can totally see why you guys are totally into it, and I would, I, I would definitely go see it again. I would go see another um, Fast and Furious movie. I just wanted to ask this. With the naming conventions uh, starting with Fast Five, and then there's Fast and Furious Six, and then there's Fa- Furious Seven, is it just going to alternate it, no, back and forth? Literally, I can be here for an hour trying to figure out. But actually, the naming conventions of the films are as inconsistent as the films themselves, as the laws of physics in these films. <laughs> because if you look at what they're called on the box versus what they're called in the actual credit of the film, like Furious Six is technically what the six one is called. But yeah. if you look on the box, it says Fast and Furious Six. And now, once again, I think they did that because they wanted Furious to be the Furious Seven. Now that that's the final uh, Paul Walker uh, vehicle and whatnot. But yeah, these are the most ridiculous names changes ever it's like the fourth one is the fast and the I, furious minus the duh like i just imagine that the, the the teaser poster for fast and furious eight or furious eight or fast eight or whatever the hell it's gonna be called just gonna be a fucking figure eight like racetrack like whoa that's a great hey, dude idea. i was gonna say you might want to submit that idea whoa, they yeah. might be all over that shut up man my personal favorite was too fast too furious yeah that's the greatest title the yeah, name the, the title mm-hmm. um, fuck that movie that movie's no good there were a couple of moments in the film that kind of uh brought me out of it like I, I went to go see this with my dad right and we saw the trailer for the new transporter film transporter refueled or something like that yeah it's like with the new guy yeah and the new guy has a face that you could probably spread on a piece of toast and like bite into it and tell yourself it's just as good that's but, sexy, it's, huh? but it's really not and then, like, the next thing, I didn't know that Jason Statham was going to be in this film. And I was like, oh, that's where he is instead of the Transporter film and another racing film. And- I, I think uh, they've gotten as much out of the Jason Statham yeah. Transporter yeah. series that could possibly be had. Pretty much. Yeah. It's like there was, there was another scene early on that kind of took me out just from how hilarious and kind of cringeworthy it was for me. It was like when uh, Dom is driving uh, Letty through the... And I haven't uh, just preface this again. I haven't seen some of like the the earlier films, so I know this is probably like <laughs> phoned in someplace else. And he's like, "Where are we going?" He's like, "Oh, we're going to this place." It's like, it's like, do we go there all the time? It's like we invented it. And then I saw like this Cirque du Soleil drag racing like 
carnival festival called Race Wars. It's like, <laughs> that is the most unfortunate name hey, ever. The Fast and the Furious movies are Jesus. nothing if not topical. Race Wars comes, though, from the first movie, and it's heavily involved because the first film is way more about the cars and about racing. Okay. It, it actually is about street racing yeah, and underground racing which they have these races called race wars in the middle of the desert so it was a nice callback and there were all kinds of callbacks to characters and themes from old movies whether it was the guy from the first fast and furious movie or in the scene involving dom and uh, jason statham's character deckard shaw their final fighting scene he uses a wrench which comes back to the whole part of him in the first film i thought this was a street fight you're goddamn right it well, is. <laughs> a big reason why he is the way he is is because his dad, this is getting a little too involved in this story, but his dad was a race car war. driver and he was killed right. on a racetrack and he almost beat the guy who killed him to death with a wrench, which yeah. is why the wrench comes back. To me, the movie. most satisfying part of the entire franchise, just as a whole, is how many callbacks... Which is why, Alex, before I watched them and you told me to just skip two, three, and four even. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I, how can you do that? Like, there's so many moments that are called back to every one of them. They don't neglect a single one of these as it goes on. I will say it is a – it's not a series like – if you skipped – if you watched – such as say you watched Star Wars and then you skipped up to Re- Return of the Jedi – you would be missing a lot there. You can skip these, the original. These well, movies you can, you can are the more convoluted prequels. than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In they my are. opinion. Yeah, like yeah, I I think so. I, because, I, would, I would I would I would I would probably agree with that. I guess. I mean, only because Marvel tries to sidestep like continuity and just you know has everybody be in their own little adventures or whatever. But I'm just saying, as far as like you can understand these movies without seeing the prior entries. Mm-hmm. But it, it is hilarious how much these, especially Seven, calls back. Okay, I want to talk about the idea that. Uh, the third film comes along, Tokyo Drift, and that came out of the, uh, that was supposed to be a direct-to-DVD sequel, <laughs> and then they got a big budget, and um, both Justin Lin uh, started directing the franchise, who's pretty much the person responsible for turning this into the juggernaut that it is, um, and Craig Morgan, I believe is his name, wrote the script of uh, Tokyo Drift, who has also wrote the, written the scripts of all the films following that. So those two people single-handedly turned this into what it is today. And we get a scene at the end of Tokyo Drift where Vin Diesel shows up for five seconds, which he only agreed to do if Universal would give him money to do another Riddick movie. <laughs> and so, because that was for, a mistake. Yeah, because for some reason he thought that was going to be the sci-fi. franchise that you know continues. But okay, so we get Vin Diesel showing up, and we never understand—not understand—but we never get a reason as to why. Or and I thought they were whatever. just going to gloss past it in this no, movie, and they and did this not. movie literally. Actually, like ten years later, gives you the scene that was missing from the third right. movie that had nothing to do with pretty much most of these movies. Well, that's so, exactly what I mean yeah. about not not only this that that particular scene, yeah. but the entire I mean, was, franchise. There's so many of those satisfying, just yes, yes. So that's such a great little thing like that. Um, I also want to talk about. So I guess should we all. One thing I want to mention is that so Justin Lin's been directing this franchise, and he is out, and now three, the guy who directed some of the Saw movies, right? Is James in. Wan is yeah. taking over for him. Now I don't think James Wan was able to bring a visual flair in the same sense that Justin Lin, because the way Justin Lin uh, captured these movies is just amazing. Uh, I would actually disagree with that. Well, I well, thought I thought the CGI and the kind of the the way that this film was done was right. so so much above and beyond some of the earlier films yeah. in, yeah, in terms of like fast five i mean look at the parkour scene on the brazil i mean james wan would never have trusted a single shot or something like that because that, that's what i was about to 
say was okay. that um, Justin Lin is so good at actually taking fluid action and making it comprehensible. Some of the stuff that James Wan does here, he did so much better than I thought he was going to, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. considering he comes from horror where there's a lot of jump cuts and stuff like that, he he definitely, I would say, is a perfect match for this. Uh... In fact, he also kind of harkens back to the old days of his franchise. He kind of looks like the MTV aesthetic kind of directing, whereas I would say some of the action scenes, especially the that final one, and maybe that's kind of why I had some problems with it, was that um, there were some moments where like I couldn't quite see what was happening because of the way he just kept cutting away from it and whatnot. Whereas Justin Lin never really did that. Kind of, I mean, think about the scene, even if you didn't like it, but think about the scene in like uh, Furious Six when um, Diesel and Letty jump from a car to a car. Like oh, you know yeah. that all that all happens in one shot. Whereas right. I feel like Juan would have cut that up like boom, 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 boom. And so, overall, I got to say, I'm surprised at how good James Wan was doing this film. And I don't think he was as, uh, I would say, livens this franchise up as well as uh, Lynn does, or as perfect of a match. But um, I got to give credit credit when where credit's due, because he was actually one of my favorite parts of this uh, production. Well, we're talking about the CGI. Let's just move into that and move into talking more about the Paul Walker part of this movie, which uh-huh. I, I feel like that whole, the whole movie as a whole, I don't necessarily see... I mean, there are problems you could probably nitpick about it, but in terms of what I thought it could have become and what it did become, I thought it was done so much better mm-hmm. than I was worried. And give a credit to to Universal and to Relativity Media for not just being desperate to make their money back and forcing a movie out last year and waiting a year and getting an actual good product out to the audience. Well, not only that, but they were the ones who which I don't think I would ever see a studio do other than Universal because I've never seen it happen before. But they were the ones that said we want to go through with this movie only if you guys do. Mm-hmm. Like, they, literally, this production could have completely halted, and we maybe have never even gotten another Fast Furious movie. It wasn't until uh, the cast and the crew got word from Paul Walker's family, because that's who they contacted first, saying, listen, we're just we're here to support you guys and whatever you need. And it wasn't until they contacted uh, the production saying, we want this to happen and we'll help out, and that's obviously what happened with mm-hmm. uh, the brothers and whatnot. I didn't realize... Um because I, I haven't obviously I haven't seen all the the Fast and Furious films like you guys have. I didn't realize until this film how um, essential and indelible of an actor Paul Walker was to this franchise. I, I always thought of Vin Diesel. He was always the face in my mind when I thought of like Fast and Furious. Whenever I I caught a glimpse of like one of those posters, but just seeing the presence of this guy in um, in the film, and I don't want to give any spoilers about like how that's actually portrayed or anything like that. Oh, well, I think we can. Yeah. Oh, oh, we've oh, talked oh. about everything else. Okay. So, so the ending, yeah, I was going to say, let's address the, the elephant in the room. Okay. The, the, the ending, the, the ending. The... I, I thought I, I didn't, <laughs> that was an elephant. Was it? That's not a good elephant. That's a terrible <laughs> elephant. <laughs> okay. You know what? Fuck you too. Sam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your, your impressions suck. Anyway, uh, <laughs> your impressions suck. Yeah. Oh, was that supposed to be me as Urkel? Yes, it was. Fuck you, man. Anyway, I didn't mean it. Okay. Um, the montage uh, at the end that right. showed all of his previous roles in the film, yeah. like, that kind of like really touched my heart. And Ludacris's hair. I, I didn't give a shit about I thought that was really weird, and I didn't want to think about that. I just thought about Paul Walker, and I was like, wow, that's... Uh, this... Uh, Goddamn. That tribute at the end was 
oh man, it was a fucking gut punch. Yeah, like it was. I was shook, and I'm not even like that yeah, invested dude, in this, it, this. Like if you're vested in the series and had been for a while, I'm mm-hmm. talking like I've loved it forever. But I mean, I I threw up watching all of them this week. Well, you and I both kind of had a similar experience in that we both saw number one when it first came out. So right. it's, and I watched it all the time, even though I don't like it anymore. But <laughs> when I was 13 years old, I watched the first yeah, I'm sure one. there are still things about that movie that you do genuinely really like, but yeah. it's not in your favorite film of it at all. No, and but so having that nostalgic connection for it too, as far right. as like it was a staple in my childhood, right. and now unfortunately that's no longer possible. And I agree in the sense that you know, I had actually a very – I was vehemently against the idea of going through with this movie when I first heard about the death of Paul Walker. Right. I would be too. Yeah, and I was – you know, and now even though Universal was actually, like I just said, pretty great about it as far as they were going to do it or they won't. Um, but I was like, you know, just even going through with this, this would be the most offensive idea, you know, ever or whatever. Now, once I started to read more about the production and how they were going to do it, I'm like, okay. You know? Well, and I think that this movie, watching back on the scenes that they kept and old scenes that they brought in, I feel like this was way more kind of like the Philip Seymour Hoffman from there, where there was they had more than they let on. Yeah. 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 And, I was going to um, ask, yeah. real quick, do, is it known at what point in the filming process he passed? It was right half, almost exactly halfway through. Yeah. But so obviously they had they, shot a lot more of the major scenes that they ended up right. using in the final product. Because films shoot out of order, so we don't know, of course, right. yeah. as far as if you were to take the trajectory of the film. But it's safe so, to say a good chunk of this movie oh, yeah. was done without Which I think him. is very evident when you go see it. If, I mean, it the, the only yeah. scene where I... can't I, imagine what they couldn't have gotten other than the last 10 minutes. Well, the last 10 minutes and then the uh, the fight scene with Tony Ja, I was pretty convinced that wasn't him either. What but about that's the... almost always going to be a... Uh, exactly, a, a so that's why I wasn't man, even so. distracted. What yeah. about the, the face shot after the uh, the car, the, the supercar or whatever, flew out of like the last window and Vin Diesel was like hanging on the edge and he looked over and he saw um, right. Paul Walker's face and it's like he didn't say anything. And my dad even clued into that. Right. It's like that's probably where they had the CGI. It was so apparent in that scene. Right, and that would make sense because that's the kind of thing you'd have to film in post-production anyway yeah. because you have to first get all the realistic stuff out of the way before you get to the more uh, crazy stuff. Since we're talking about the CGI and Paul Walker's now, I don't want to say that it was overwhelmingly great because I don't think it was anything that, like if he wasn't, hadn't passed away and they just put that scene in there, would be like, what? It was passable. But it, it was not like... That scene never would have happened. No, but it, it I feel like... They've come so long, such a long, filmmakers and editors have come such a long way in such a short period of time. Even looking back to Terminator Salvation with the Arnold CGI fit-in and the one of the most famous poorly done CGI fit-ins was in The Sopranos with Tony's mother, which everybody was not a fan of. Yeah, that's not good. I feel like filmmakers have come such a long way that eventually... It, at some point, they're going to get to a point where they don't need people to actually be in the movies. Well, no. But, like, There's it, always going to be an uncanny You're going to license your likeness. That's what I wanted to say. I, that I think that I'm, I'm sure most major actors already have their light, their likeness license, so it doesn't really matter. We're going to have a, a, a holographic action film. That's going to be like a buddy musical we have film. That. It's between, called animation. No, no, but no, between like the gorillas and Tupac and Hatsune Miku. Uh, but I feel Sorry. like we could get a a film with Marlon Brando in it at some point. It's not like the main <laughs> character. No, I'm trying. I'm I'm serious. And if you can laugh about it, you you don't, you don't think this is ever going to happen? No, I don't. It's going to be oh, awful. Okay. Well, you're okay. Wait. What you're describing is a film in which Marlo Marlon Brandon is 
starring? No, no. I'm saying holographic. Could, like he would make an appearance, but he would be computer generated. It's there. Are you just talking like a cameo? Yeah, um, but I'm saying oh, well, that's graphics. Completely, are, I thought you meant like calculon. No, the way I'm you saying, described that was like one day in the future we're gonna have a film in which Marlon Brando is no, playing the lead gra- character. Graphics could are going <laughs> like, to get to a point someday where you could have a person who's been dead and he is computer generated. And you're not going to be able to tell the difference between him and the real actors on the screen. Yeah, I, mean, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I'm not really. That'll be interesting. I mean, I, I would love to see this movie with a, a, a full upfront, like, knowing of which scenes were done with and without him. I think a second viewing would probably clue you in even more, yeah. like myself included, because I wasn't paying attention to it too much. The, right. the scene I noticed the most was the beach scene, because besides the yeah. fact that. Right. Obviously, it's toward the end, and they had to have something like that after his death. He also, the way he was holding the baby was, like, in right. front of his face and whatnot. Um, but I just want to say, in general, that the, the final ten minutes, going back to what I was saying earlier um, about how I was so against this idea, whatever, having seen this final, final product and seeing the, these last ten minutes, I would say it's not so much that I'm even, like, for this like oh like they did a great job or whatever i'm like the complete 180 like this had to happen because it was so well done that how else can you honor this guy um other than just do what they just did because the whole uh diesel and him taking one last ride on the mountain you know and taking separate paths on the whatever and one of them driving off a curved path right into and the it, sunset literally exactly and it, it's such not driving into the sun it's but such right. um, <laughs> it's such elegant cheese which is the fast and the furious in general i mean it's if, if any other film was doing this it would we, i would just hate it because it's so beneath so many properties but because this is the fast and the furious and i already don't give it much credit as far as like when it comes to writing and emotion and sentence. yeah exactly like it, it completely won it uh totally i mean it was just the best possible send-off especially because in these kind of films it would have been so easy to just kill, kill them off. off and i mean that would there, have been pretty cheap now, there's an earlier scene where um dom's house is blown up basically and he's thrown by the explosion. Into, uh, Paul Walker is thrown into the van yeah. that his kid... Like, they could have killed him off right there. Which is but. one of the coolest things, actually. Well, I, f- I feel like the the problem with killing him off, which I thought about before, is, first of all, they couldn't kill him off in a car wreck in the right. movie because I'm sure the family would not have wanted that. Right, mm-hmm. that would have been pretty offensive. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It would have been. Right. And... I, you know, I, I thought that there was a chance that it could happen, but the way that the film ended up playing out, it was so well done, but it never came off to me as being overly cheesy. I I, I, I don't care really about Paul Walker as an actor or as like his death at the time. I was like, well, that was kind of stupid that he was driving 110 miles an hour or whatever. It's fucking ironic <laughs> is what it what, is. Yeah, well, it's one of the most <laughs> ironic deaths right. ever, Yeah, but it, it's... It, you know, I, I for the most part, I felt bad for him dying, but I, I don't have like a huge connection to Paul Walker as an actor mm. or as a person or anything like that. Brick but, Mansions wasn't that good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't heard good things about any really other thing he's in. But I guess that's where I want to go with it is that in that final scene, I if, I was like getting chills and I yeah. don't really have that in theaters. So it was such a credit to the filmmakers that did such a wonderful as job far as that I'm final concerned, scene. That was the best case scenario. Like I wouldn't have changed the damn thing about it right and the, they literally take the road less traveled uh in sending you and your puns i'm yeah. really good aren't leave I? it to nick uh in sending this character off because 
we never actually get to see this kind of exit for a character in these kind of stories. Like, I don't think there's a single action film that I can think of that had, like, a franchise where somebody's like, you know what, I'm just going to sit the rest of these movies out. Like, <laughs> like in such a sentimental way and not mm-hmm. just like, a, oh, he'll be in a coma for the rest of the, or whatever. Right. So, like, the idea that these producers gave this character a happy ending because he couldn't have one in real life, it's just that's right. just right. where it really worked for me. Well, there was a really nice connection between how the characters felt about Brian, the character, mm-hmm, and how yeah. the actors felt yes. about Paul Walker, and it was right. perfectly married in this film. Yes. Was it just me, or and maybe I was reading too much into it just knowing going into the movie, but the earlier, I'd say first half of the movie, there's so many uh, references and setting up for, like... Like we can't have any more funerals. Like there were so many comments made about the, yeah. the death no more and funerals, funerals line was and... actually pretty great because I I was thinking there I was sitting there thinking that the entire time like oh so is this going to be ironic and mm-hmm. there will be one more funeral or now of course now that we've seen the entire thing it was actually that's actually going to be I think a little more poignant the second time through is that they they stayed true to that promise that they gave the audience the the family of Paul Walker that there is going to be no more funerals for sure because. This deserves to have a happy ending. I mean, there was a a, a very very distinct moment when um, um, what's his name Tyrese? I can't remember his character's name. Doesn't TJ. matter. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> He's very specifically at the funeral that they were at. Said like we, you know, no more funerals, and it just panned right to Paul Walker, and it was just like they just set so much up in the movie. For what actually happened in real life. I mean, maybe I was thinking about it too much, but I felt like they went way out of their way to have a lot of those moments early on. You, that, that, that scene that was much. filmed before his death. Was it? That, that, See, that, now that's that, what I'm like, curious like about. That kind that, of stuff, like, that's fucking crazy. That's, that's that. an in- incidental scene that took on a, a greater depth of, of gravitas. I mean, with Vin Diesel's character, he says the word family every other sentence. Familia. This has never yes. shied away from trying to be so ridiculously saccharine. What's it? Besides car it. racing, that's the biggest storyline throughout the entire franchise is the family. Right, so this car, idea of no more family. Yeah, the, the idea of no more funerals or whatever is completely organic whether Paul Walker had died or not just because right. that would... That would be their kind but, of saying. Now, I agree that you can't watch this film without a real-world context right. mm-hmm. hanging over it, but I don't know that they were truly like trying to hint at his death at well, every corner. That's the kind of stuff that I wonder about, because that scene now, if I if, if I was to find out that that really legitimately was shot before his death, like that shit's chilling as fuck. Mm-hmm. If, if, it, if it was truly the case, if it was filmed the way it was filmed, and it wasn't gone back after he died and they wrote it into the movie... Like that's some seriously heavy shit. Yeah. Right. So well, it would have to be because it, it's really him in that scene. I believe so. I mean, so I mean, it's mm-hmm. completely not. Well, kind of like Alex was saying though that the the CGI was so good in this movie. You, you just can don't tell really. Which scene... You can if you're really looking for it. No, but... no. What I mean is like there's a good one way to look at it is that I would think almost all of the just people standing around talking scenes were pretty much filmed. Like, especially like when you see the scene of him calling Mia at home, even that, that, that takes place later on in the film, but that was obviously him. They could have also, it's not obvious thinking back right now, but in terms of like the order of scenes being placed, maybe they were at a different spot. Like the conversation he has with Mia, that could have happened later on in the film. And yet they put it early in the film to get where the, to the final part of it. I know at least I heard that they used some parts from other films and more like dialogue and things. Well, that was the 
at the end when he pulls up. That was obviously a, a scene from a previous film, right? Mm-hmm. When he was especially because he's got that beach blonde. Well, yeah, curls. and he was in the throwback to the first movie. He's in the very right. first car. From Which was actually movie. one of the most seamless use of the CGI. Mm-hmm. Like, I could tell that it was like right. obviously not really him there or whatever, but yeah. it was even better than like an uncanny valley like you know CGI type thing going on. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, I, I feel like because I genuinely loved this movie, and even though there were ridiculous parts to it that I that I I, I did think were like ridiculous. Some of the other effects were a little more grounded than the six uh, uh, series, right. and I kept thinking over and over to a, to why a movie I was comparing this to, and I I kept comparing it, and I couldn't figure out why. And I, I thought more about it. And I actually watched the movie that it's not the same story or the same tone or the same genre even, but the movie I kept comparing this to for me and of why I liked it was The Dark Knight. For why I liked this movie for the same kind of reasons why I liked that movie so much. So I'm going to think about reasons why they are somewhat similar, and they're not really similar in terms of story or anything like that, but it involves a main character who has passed away before this, the film comes out, and you're watching this. Yeah. But, but the divergence on that, I can, I can totally see the, the parallel to that, because I, I mentioned that to, to Nick before. He but, did. But the diff- <laughs> Thank you, Nick. <laughs> but the difference in this case is that Heath Ledger... Before he passed, he had already completed all of his scenes. He did for so the yeah. the the film's tone. It takes on a different tone, knowing that it's. It, it, but I, I guess I was trying to say that even though they've completed everything, they didn't need to create other scenes around mm-hmm. him or change the story right. around him. They did end up changing the longevity of the series. Bane was never meant to be no. the, the final and antagonist. If you watch some of the actual scenes, I've not that. I want to say that Christopher and Jonathan Nolan are bad writers because I don't think that they are. They are sometimes. Well, and I know you, Nick, did not love, <laughs> love the third Dark Knight movie, and I, I don't. I think it's the definitely worst of the three. But I will say, I feel like a lot of even some of the lines that were said in that movie were basically taken from what the Joker was going to be and transferred over to Bane. Yeah. But and other things too that are just. Um, I interesting the to me. Of shadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see it, man. I could totally see it happening. Uh, the other thing that I took away from that was the God's Eye in this movie. I wanted to talk about that. But yeah, that was just a, that's like every no, but I I really want to talk about that. Okay, and that that's something... because, because there is something very similar in the Dark Knight, which is the use of the sonar. Yeah, go ahead. I want to I want to talk about this because okay. it's something I'm actually. Really... I just wanted to get out the comparison first. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Kenny just Kenny uh, just got rubbed, up and started massaging. Yeah, Tucson. rubbed my shoulders like, oh, he's such a good friend. But this is something that I'm actually very much invested in. Is like I'm I'm interested about the the current state of like state surveillance and and prism and other stuff like that. Drone, drones, Dro- drones, and and also with um, information and privacy advocacy and stuff like that. And I've always wanted to to write an article that was talking about the resurgence of like cyberpunk like the, the 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 new contemporary resurgence of it in the the place of surveillance states like the rise of what i like call su- like surveillance fiction so we have things like um the 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 the, the, the surveillance room in in dark knight we mm-hmm. have things like god's eye in in this we have uh even just just roping it back in there, we have television shows yep. like Persons of Interest, which is built this, entirely around that entire premise. We God's have, Eye literally actually 
like okay, it's one thing for another piece of pop culture to, yeah. to have a surveillance, but God, I actually felt like a direct ripoff of the machine and person of interest. It, it's mostly because if, even if you look at the interface, it's the same color scheme, mm-hmm. it's the same whatever. So that's that same, part threw same me off. Matching just different scenes. I almost feel like the producers have never even heard a person of interest. Yeah, I can only explain as to why they, it was so similar. Yeah, but, and 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 the the basic. Um, questions uh that nobody ever questions like well what about people's like civil liberties and their right to privacy fuck that man we gotta find this terrorist by any means necessary and i was gotta like oh. fi- gotta find decade oh man that that kind of kind of shook well, I me mean, wasn't that hard to find so i don't really he, he was basically coming to them that's how they yeah, found him so but, but you need a god's eye because he was apparently reclusive i mean that made no sense because he's really good at being a ghost because he's a former special agent and, and he'll murder an entire hospital wing just to visit his brother yeah but he's also good at disappearing so why are you looking for logic in this, Nick? No, I'm not. Thank I'm just picking it that. apart. Yeah. That was a joke. Well, uh-huh. I sure. Oh, of course, it was a joke when you don't need it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, that that that's something that really kind of kind of stuck out for me. The whole yeah, God's eye. The thing. whole surveillance thing. I mean, that's it's part of the zeitgeist, dude. It's 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 the one of the most pressing questions of our but, generation. But here's the thing: when it comes to the God's eye subplot, if you want to call it, in this film, two things make it completely work: a Kurt Russell. Because Kurt Russell was fantastic in this. Mr. I, Nobody. I loved every, I guess you can have your corona now. Exactly. <laughs> I loved every scene that he was in. He literally what I, he made my day. What I loved most about his character is that I could never tell if he was on the Vin Diesel side or he was actually on Deckard Shaw's side. He played it like Snape in the yeah. Harry Potter movies where you feel like he could be either way. Ronald and Weasley. The other thing that I loved... Um, <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. The other thing that I I love about the God's Eye plotline is the fact that, yes, it makes the movie even more of a mess as to, like, what this plot is about. But that's so much better than Six, which is, like, one plot stretched over two hours, and it gets pretty boring in between the action set pieces, Mm. at least. Where at least this was a like like I said earlier to you guys before we even started like they have so many plates spinning but they keep them all spinning so I don't care if they eventually break them by the end of the movie I forgot what I the always, fuck was going on exactly. 30 minutes into the film and that's like, a good thing in a film like this But here's the question did it did you care like no, it, no, it was no, wait, so wait, 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 when when, when that... Paul when 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 Paul's character Brian right when when he jumps onto the on onto the truck after after they do right. do the whole like diving thing out, out of the back of the 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 are you talking the, about the bus scene? On, on the bus scene, and he lifts up the, the girl's um, face mask to reveal the hot girl from Game of Thrones. And I was like, who the fuck is this? Like, who the fuck is Ramsey? I was like, the the direct scene before I was talking about Ramsey, I was like, oh, it's the hacker. I thought they already gave him God's eye. No? Okay, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I, so anyway. I've got nothing left. I had something I wanted to say, but I can't remember what it was. So. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah, whatever. So, so anyway, I guess we'll go to ratings. If is there anything else that anybody wants to say, or if they can remember it, if if if, if you remember it like halfway through, like the weekend review, then yeah, I'm, yeah. Go, I'm going to mention it. Yeah, so. do it, man. Just just, pipe just up, do it during two song segment. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Nick. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've said a lot of good things about this. I don't think it's perfect or anything. I don't think a film like this can really be better than it is. So because of that, I would give it four out of five stars. But this is easily my favorite of the entire franchise. And um, 
I so desperately wish it would be the last one because of how fitting of a final chapter it is to this adventure, in my opinion. Like, I do think a, a Fast and Furious movie without Paul Walker will be... Well, without Paul Walker and this crew, because Tokyo Drift is a completely different beast to begin with. Mm-hmm. But So, to lose Paul Walker uh, and to continue worries me a little bit, because it doesn't matter that he's not like that good of an actor, I agree, but he is kind of like the heart of this film. Like Vin Diesel is the one who wears the heart on his sleeve by saying family every, you know, <laughs> well, five seconds. or whatever. I am family. Exactly. But Paul Walker, I, am, I just caught that. Superman. But Paul Walker to me, like he was uh, just the kind of earnestness of this entire franchise. So, I just feel like, unfortunately, the franchise should pass with him because I just I, I can't imagine that I'm going to be as affected by Diesel walking around with Tyrese Gibson and you know, like as I without like a Brian or somebody who's just there to just be I don't know. Just he's you know, got the Rock, but he's he, he, no. The rock that's is not, the thing is that they're all these like Type A personalities or yeah. whatever. Where I still need a Paul Walker to be there. He's the just, everyman who's yeah, not exactly. so much the everyman. Yeah, I, I need to project myself onto somebody. Right, and even if he's not a good actor, he was that canvas that you I can't really, project yourself onto Ludacris. Uh, uh, I can't in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, Ludacris, but yeah. I can't in the uh, the you know these recent ones. Yeah, I was just kidding. I, so was I. Well, and you have to think that Jordana Brewster can't be in the movies anymore either. So right, so that's why I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I'm worried because I feel like this is going to get too self serious. Whereas, like I thought, Walker brought something, even if it was kind of unspoken, and like he didn't even know that he was doing that. But um, so in general, I, I love this. I'm just a little worried about where this is going to go from here. And uh, yeah, four out of five stars. It's, I don't know what more you could want from an action blockbuster. All right, very good. Toussaint? I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have nearly as much feeling about this film as the, the other three um, hosts, but I really liked it. I think you should go see it if you like action films, if you like car films, and especially if you're a Fast and Furious fan. Like This is a very loyal send off to Paul Walker and yeah, I would give it three out of five stars and I would definitely recommend it. Okay. Very good. Um, for me, I'm actually going to have to disagree with what you said, Nick. I, I personally, fuck you. I I really actually would love to see this franchise carry on and turn into kind of a, ultimately a, a real long-term thing almost like a like a james bond kind of brand where i mean it has pretty much turned into james bond it, right starting well, with fast five i mean i i feel like you know uh a lot of these characters while they have absolutely been the face of the franchise um and this is this is a personal thing that most people don't agree with that uh, tokyo drift was just fine without them like as long as it's written properly. I agree properly. with that, but that was also because they got rid of everybody else, too. Right, but I, I, I guess what, how I'm seeing this, like, if this franchise was to continue on for the next 10, 15 years, and it's just entirely new blood pumped into this franchise, I, I mean, look, as long as they're written properly, there's the underlying culture of car racing, which doesn't matter who you plug in, it's people like it, people enjoy it. And if it's done properly, I don't see why it couldn't continue as a successful franchise. Now, Alex, I want to defend something we've been just very, very much been bashing you for. <laughs> very <laughs> immaturely. So I apologize because I'm going to defend you here. Um, this one, what I liked 
a lot about Furious 7. Now that um, Justin Lin was taken out of the mix and it was Juan was the director, I actually, as much as I liked 5 and 6, I also noticed a trend of it getting more and more unbelievable, which, again, I was totally cool just letting go with these movies. But what I liked about this is it did tone that down a bit. It Mm -hmm. was a bit more believable, even though... That's kind of where I was going, and you guys have been off the rails about this. I still don't get it. it, There are so many little things that aren't involved with action set pieces in Furious 6 that are unbelievable for no reason. Like, what do you... Wait, that art... I thought we were just talking about action. What Furious 6 does that I did not care for is that it makes every part of the story unbelievable and not just the action set pieces where Furious 7 is a lot more... (laughs) Fine, if you don't want to think that, then that's okay, but... These I mean, films it w- have never had any logic. Brian in the very first film is the worst cop ever. Yeah, it makes no. I'm just saying, like these, the story has always been one of the most ridiculous aspects. Well, of yeah, and movies. it still is. But at the same time, this, I feel so many more parts of Furious Seven are way more believable than Fast right. and Furious well, Six. Well, I, that's obviously a subjective thing. Yeah, but these are all cut from the same cloth. Yeah, so that's why I don't. It's a, it's a movie at the end of the day, so it's always going to not be believable. No, no, no. I'm saying but, these. All these movies are cut from the same cloth, meaning that they all share this ridiculous realm of fantastical uh, character motivation, action set pieces. These, these, I called these earlier, and you laughed at my face, but I called these superhero films because that's what these are. They, there are no, there are no, there's no logic, there's no whatever. They just do whatever they want to do, so that way it's in service of the plot. Well, I, I guess okay because there there were many moments in this particular installment that were very much like oh come on like you can roll your eyes at the fact that somebody got up and walked away from some of the mm-hmm. shit that happened in this movie. I guess what I saw more was in in the action scenes as far as look I'm not looking for any logic here, but the way that Juan handled some of these action scenes, it just looked a little bit more realistic. I love the camera work. I will give you one thing, which is I think you're latching on to the idea that there's a lot more like hand-to-hand combat and such like that, which, okay, yes, that's quote-unquote more realistic than like vehicular warfare is in general. But that doesn't mean that everything that's happening when they're not punching each other, but even when they are punching each other, I'm sorry, but when they're taking the wrench to each other's faces and yeah. yet they're still somehow standing right. after every single one, like makes no sense. And the idea that the Vin Diesel can stomp his foot down on the ground and destroy an entire parking garage. I mean, this yeah. that's literally the epitome of a superhero <laughs> move. Okay. It is. But again, I'll go back to this. And Justin like- Lin also one more thing, but Gina Carano in her scenes, was using actual, uh, like, I don't know what kind of moves they are in general as far as which fighting, uh, fighting style they are, but those felt way more believable than what J- <laughs> Chase and Statham and Vin Diesel are doing or what Vin Di- or Statham versus The Rock are doing. Okay. As I started, <laughs> as, I, as I brought that up and All mentioned right, it about seven, I've, I've now been convinced otherwise. <laughs> this movie was totally fucking unbelievable. Yeah, there no, there really right. wasn't that. Now that I am talking about it and thinking more about it, it they really, I, I guess the the way certain scenes were shot, it looked a little more believable. But mm-hmm. yeah, now listening back to some of the shit that went down, it yeah, I take I retract my statement. It, but that being <laughs> said, I it would still look. I 
I fucking loved all the rest of the movies. There's no reason in the world why I wouldn't feel the absolute same way. I love the tribute at the end of this movie to Paul Walker. I, I feel like they went way out of their way to, to give him a, a much better send-off than they ever had to. Um, I I would give this... I'd give it a three and a half out of five. Yeah. It'd be my rating. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Dropped your rating a whole star after uh, one talk with Nick about it. Wow. All right. Very good. <laughs> well, no, you told me the way you felt about this yeah. movie, and what was my initial reaction? Whoa. Pump, yeah. pump the brakes a little you bit. You gave us a four and a half out of five last night, and then you changed your star rating by a whole star. Dude, hey, I, man, a day makes all the difference. I guess. I slept on it overnight, and I okay. thought about it a little more, and I didn't just stick with my initial reaction. It was a great movie, yeah. but What's your so rating, the Alex? rest of them. Huh? What's your rating, Alex? I gave this movie a five out of five, <laughs> so you guys can all go fuck yourself. This can't be a perfect movie, whatever. I feel like you have to, you have to, you have to judge different films differently. Yeah, by their own merits. Okay, I'm I'm going to give the Raid Two a four and a half out of five, but I'm not going to say that it's a better thematic film than Birdman or something like that. It's it's great oh. for different reasons. What would you Birdman. give the original Raid then? Just because we're, I'd probably give the original Raid of of three and a half or four out of five. I like the second one better. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, no, I. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this action film in terms of like action and unbelievableness of this film. I totally got drawn right into it, which was a huge problem I had with Six. I couldn't get drawn into the story. I couldn't get drawn into the characters. And I could never believe all of the gaps in logic that were happening with almost every part of that film and not just the action set pieces where I feel like Furious 7... I'm okay with there's all this unbelievable action because there are stories and there's heart in the story more that draws me into the story and is able to let my brain forget about the craziness that's happening on the screen. So you really think the storyline of this was that strong? Because that that was my biggest problem with it. As Toussaint said, it was kind of within I a half hour. You're like, what the, the story what was, the but it was a okay. good movie. There was, it was a great movie, action wise. But action wise, it is a terrific film in terms of the story and what is happening. It is. And that's the thing. I wasn't going to give this a perfect rating because it gets clunky in the second act all the way. Juman Hansu's character is completely unnecessary and is brought in for no reason. And they even sort of change their mind of who they're angry at. Uh, the line about Paul or uh, Vin Diesel not being able to miss when he's killing, uh, if he was going to kill Deckard Shaw, he uses that line when he kills Juman Hansu for no reason. It makes absolutely no sense. And it was parts of that part of the story that I didn't care for. I loved the whole layout of the idea of them having to get back with a person who they you know, killed his brother. They went all out mm. of their way to kill the brother, and he's come back. But I love how every character gets set up with a sort of their own villain that they're fighting against, whether it be Vin Diesel and Deckard Shaw, um, Brian and Tony Jaw's character, and it ended up being the Rock and Juman Hansu for no reason. But it was awesome. The scene with them firing the machine guns at each other while the Rock is on the street and he's in the helicopter. That's just a great scene. And it's it, it's not because it's the script is great. Because it's not a perfectly it's written like a, story or anything like that. But it's just the way the story weaves together and ended up at that climax. I couldn't have predicted that that was going to be the exact climactic scene 20 minutes before it happens, but it totally made sense when it ended up being there. Were you cool with Letty basically talking 
Dom back to life. No, that was though. stupid. Like, I, I didn't. But care I, for I that. guess that's where I'm struggling to see how this was a perfect movie. The, the you, way like. it comes into perfect is I was sitting at four stars up until the Paul Walker scene, and the way that they were able to weave that all together and make that make me care. Who honestly, I like I said, I could have cared less about Paul Walker's death. I I felt bad for him as what a person. A fucking asshole. Yeah, that's fine. I felt bad for him as a person, but as a movie star. I feel like how I felt about James Gandolfini or Robin Williams, I have had no feelings really for Paul Walker. And the fact that I was able to have like chills, like physical chills during the final montage and the final scene, it was done so well that I had to give the, this film a pass on the other things that I didn't care. The greatest for. thing about that tribute is that it doesn't try to say that Paul Walker was anything that he wasn't mm-hmm. and yet what it does is it, there's some transference that's like you can I'm gonna get cheesy here but you can literally feel the love that those cast members and that crew probably felt for Paul Walker the person mm-hmm. not the actor in those 10 minutes and that's what makes those last 10 minutes it was so a gut punch over- it was a gut yeah. punch for but their sure. ability to connect the real life Paul Walker and the character of Brian O'Connor was just marvelous. And that way that actually happens for me throughout the entire film. It culminates in the final 10 minute scene, but it just was done so well. And I feel like so many other parts of this movie, maybe that's why I was also able to give it a perfect rating because I feel like this in terms of being well thought out as an action things and the small things that happen action wise, like the rock doing the rock bottom to Jason (laughs) Statham through a thing of glass I loved it. I loved the daddy line with the rock and him ripping the cast off. And Two oh, for man. the road. I agree. Yeah, Woman, I am the cavalry. Yeah. I, <laughs> so much about this film that I really loved. And again, it was really the ending that pushed me to give this a perfect score. But I loved almost everything about this movie. And, you know, the comedic value of Tyrese floating away on the, uh, the, the, uh, the parachute. parachute and then him coming back, even though you knew he was going to come back. The way the fact that he did come back later and that that was thought of was just these know, aren't brilliant. like obviously full out comedic films mm-hmm. and yet one of the hardest I've laughed in a theater in a long time is uh, Tyrese Gibson character breaking in the uh, the airplane trying desperately not <laughs> to get not to uh, get thrown out of the air like that was just some of the greatest like just physical comedy and then yeah. he did it again while he was yeah. in the air yeah. like hitting the brakes just yeah. falling down to earth yeah that and great. that was that was uh, just awesome for me so again I had some little problems with the script and. Uh, that's fine, but I, I was able to look past that with the final scene of this film, as I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I really like that Wiz Khalifa song. What's that song called? The, the one that was during the end. See you again. Yeah, yeah. Is that I, Wiz Khalifa, or is he just like? A, I don't even know. Well, it's Wiz Khalifa doing the rap part, and then it's Charlie. I don't know how to pronounce it. Either Puff or Puth. Like, Poof. Yes, Puth. I don't know. Um, some white guy on a piano. Anyway. Singing the refrain. To- total sidebar. But yeah. I like that song. That's yeah. okay. We do sidebars in the show every now and then. No. Time. No, really? Yeah. Moving on from Furious 7, which we all uh, <laughs> to thought a sidebar. was really good. Yeah, to another sidebar. We all thought it was uh, really good. So definitely check it out in the theater if you haven't seen it already. And I'm thinking about going to see it again. It goes it on was, our hit list, right? I'll go with it. It does not because you did not give it a three and a half. So... That what? is the requirement. It has to have at least What happens if I bump mine up to no, four? No, no, Will it go a, on? It doesn't matter. I, wait, I thought oh, we were I'm sorry. Like average rate. No, we said, you, oh. and we oh, talked we about that you okay. had, that everyone had to give it at least a three and a half. That's so. right. We had this conversation. I yeah. think you were yeah. gone. I didn't think yeah. we had actually like come to like 
solid no, conclusion. That, that's what I, you said you want us to I do, so that's what we decided. I hope so. you feel mommy, satisfied. Mommy and Daddy are fighting. I'm sorry. No, I hope you're I, satisfied. I, 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 Tucson's, or pardon me, Nick's the reason we changed the hit list, so I'm sticking well, to what we decided on what you wanted, so I, that's fine. <laughs> No, that's good, Toussaint. That's good because yeah. <laughs> the, the way that we judge our movies shouldn't your rating shouldn't reflect right, whether right. or not it's going to make it. Yeah, hit the hit. I list. still think you should go see it. Right, yeah. I, I, right. I agree. Right. That was the reason why I brought up this dialogue yeah. last week. Was I'm like, there's a difference between telling someone that they should go see a film and yet right. thinking that it's like the cream of the crop, because like let, Prometheus. Let's, right? let's, right. let's yeah. not sugarcoat it. This isn't the greatest movie ever. There's no Unless way. You're this, this is not. That was it, a joke, mm-hmm. Alex. I it's love the you. best for what it is. So right. I will agree right. with that. But yeah. yes, strongly hey, I recommend. I liked it more strongly than used to, so I'm obviously on your side. Right, but yeah, you just uh, you guys have had a hit. Give me a hard time today. That's okay. <laughs> Still I'll, I'll, I'll live to fight another if day. If me, Kenny, and Tucson are not on the next episode, <laughs> this this episode. <laughs> what is, did I do? Because you're always roped into these things, Alex. <laughs> Alex is just gonna. Run the next show. Yeah, hi, this is it's Alex. Just gonna be... Welcome to Film Tank. This is a show where I give my opinions yeah, on man. movies. Are you just going to impersonate us? I was oh, like, oh, that, oh I'm funny. Nick. I was like, oh, Mom, too soon. <laughs> you don't sound like Fat Yeah, I was going to say, man. wait, you just did an impression of yourself, and yet it was not a good one. I don't know. I, awesome. ima- I imagine like, Alex How did doing you a. fuck that up? I, I imagine Alex doing like a, a black impression of me and just, <laughs> just like going way too overboard. That does sound something like Alex. Dude. <laughs> Man, I went and I saw that fucking science fiction movie. Holy dude. shit, dude! That, that's racist. Wait, hold on. That's I racist. closed my eyes and I couldn't tell who was talking. Shut Alex the or fuck up now. You guys. So, what'd you guys so, watch? This yeah, week? I was gonna say, let's get to a weekend review here. So. Can I go first? Can I? Because yeah, yeah why, why not? Okay. Because yeah. I watched Fast and Furious, all of them, and I want to talk about all of them. Since we no. just moved off the topic, let's move back onto it. No, go ahead, Kenny. No, seriously, that's yeah. all I watched this week. <laughs> that's why I said go I, ahead. I watched all seven fucking Fast and Furious movies, and I kind of want to talk about them. I'm going to get it off my chest. No. Take it off. I, uh, the only other movies, I guess it is actually my turn. I The only <laughs> other movies I actually watched, you can go back and listen because we did a bonus episode about baseball movies. Uh, those were the only other two movies I watched were uh, Field of Dreams and uh, Major League, the first one. Mm-hmm. So... Uh yeah, baseball movies and Fast and Furious movies. That was my week. That's pretty much it. Oh, you don't have anything else to bring to the table about that? No, or? I totally dude. I watched seven fucking Fast and Furious movies. How much <laughs> no. time do you? That that's like a fucking record for me. I watched nine movies this week. Uh, I was gonna say, do you have anything more you wanted to say about the actual movies? <laughs> I, I did not mean. Did you watch anything else? Did you Did you have anything to say more? I fucking watched Fast and Furious all six, and that's it. Um. <laughs> No, because <laughs> no? Okay. I just talked about Fast and Furious for an hour and a half. I, I and if you go back and listen to the previous episode, I talked about baseball movies for an hour. So. I know, but you got so excited. Like, me, it's my turn. I it watched was, the five, six. It was really six, just being sarcastic. Furious. I guess so. Should we? Okay. So move on. No, Tucson. yeah, no, yeah, Tucson, you're next. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ. This is easily our best episode Train yet. Rack. Okay. So I watched the documentary. Okay, that's it. We can move on. We've already heard what he watched, so we don't need to know any more about called, it. Called the fake case. Okay, Nick's of, turn. I way way, and I thought it was really cool because okay, I'm sorry, but you have to repeat that. Cause I did not hear that. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> no, you have to repeat it without laughing. I know, I know, I know. Tucson's about to fucking pee his pants over there, man. Shut up, man. <laughs> You're such a jerk. <sighs> anyway. I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Fake Case, um, starring Ai Weiwei, who is a contemporary um, 
Chinese installation artist and Chinese are not the preferred nomenclature, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's his nationality. Okay, um, he's also a uh, political activist uh, based out of China, and it's all about him going through his process of being persecuted by uh, the Chinese government and basically being saddled with a a fake case, like which which is basically lobbying him for um, for tax fraud. Which doesn't seem all that that obs- obscure or crazy or anything, right? The fact is, is that nobody in China pays taxes. So how can he be? How can how can he be be like tried for, for tax fraud? Yeah, it's it's weird, crazy. And I know that the word Kafka esque is something that gets branded about as as a as a as a show pony of pseudo intellectualism, but this is actually a case where it 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 applies. It's like when bureaucracy has become so bloated and 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 bullshit and self-defeating yep. that it, it's a it's a nightmare yep. and and that's what the fake case was i also watched uh gladiator and that was really awesome and i miss when redley scott made films that didn't make me sad and i also re-watched uh predator after more than i want to say eight years mm. uh at the paramount theater with my friend josh and what impresses me about that film so much like looking back on it is how it is able to switch – to me, it switches genres multiple times throughout the course of that film where it starts as a sort of Reagan-era uh, South America Contra military film, which then transitions in part to a mystery film, which then full-blown goes out into becoming a sci-fi horror, sci-fi horror film. And – just a lot of really, really great moments in that film, especially in the uh, the climax. I I don't know if I should worry about spoilers because it's an old ass film, and you either you've watched it or you haven't watched it. Where Arnold Schwarzenegger? I haven't watched it. You haven't watched the pre- you haven't watched I, Predator. I haven't, but I was just te- you can okay. Whatever you so want. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to uh, trap the Predator after getting his ass kicked, and pretty much the Predator takes off his face mask and shows his mandibles and crazy shit like that. What? Shut up. Dude, I've never seen either, so I, Shut up, I'm like getting thrown away here. Shut up, man. I know Schwarzenegger is in it. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, know, anyway. I know nothing about this movie. And are you serious, Kenny? <laughs> no, Wait, I, really? no, I fucking know nothing about it. Kenny, why didn't you tell me? And Go anyway, for it. I'm, I'm and listening. He cares about Kenny, but he doesn't care about me. Yeah, because you've already seen an asshole, and so have you, Alex. Well, I, haven't. I, haven't I don't want to spoil this for Kenny. I, it's we a literally great just film. said we hadn't I, seen, I it. seen it. I haven't seen it. I really don't so. think any of us. Have seen anyway, it. anyway, and he tries to trap the predator. <laughs> he just keeps um, going on. <laughs> I want to say this moment because it was awesome. So. And <laughs> in in this trap, take that, off my head that, that he that he that he created. And he's like, "Come on, do it, do it." And he's like trying to like trap him, and so he gets like skewered by these things, and the predator. Is smart enough to like skirt around it, and it's like I'm not gonna fall for your like Scooby Doo bullshit. Wait, the predator can talk? No, <laughs> that's, that's, that how he that's said like it? that's like the moment where like he just looks at him and he's like, no, I'm not gonna fall for that. And then he falls for some other Scooby Doo bullshit, and it was awesome. Classic well, predator. I was gonna say I'm I'm guessing that the actual scene in the movie is better than the description you just gave. Yeah, go see the movie. <laughs> Let's do that as an, a future episode. I've always wanted to see the predator until this conversation. <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> I didn't mean. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I think everybody on this episode has said something bad to each host, <laughs> so it's not that a you uh, suck, Kenny. Okay, now uh, it's done. Yeah, move, moving on. I gave him a fucking shoulder rub at one point. You oh, did. Thank you, Kenny. I'm That's sorry. true. Yeah, I'm the nicest guy here. Yeah. yeah. So, Go Nick, ahead, Nick. Uh, what's your weekend review that you want to bring to the table? 
Well, I've, there's two things I want to talk about. You watched Predator, didn't you, you fucker? You lied. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. And now I'm never going to. Like <laughs> <laughs> you, man. <laughs> no, I am... Um, one thing I watched was on the television device yeah. called Last Week Tonight. Oh, snap. You watched yeah. the, the John Oliver uh, I, Edward Snowden episode. Correct. And Man, yes, fist bump. Okay. We're, yeah. we're doing this here. Um, yeah, so John Oliver does uh, Last Week Tonight on HBO. For anybody who doesn't know, it's obviously like a daily show-like thing. And, um, you know, he doesn't call himself a journalist, but... He does more real-life journalism than most journalists. Exactly. And... This episode was, uh, it aired last Sunday, and it was all about the, uh, what you were bringing up earlier, Toussaint, the Mm -hmm. surveillance crisis as far as what Americans know and what they don't know about how ridiculously, uh... The extent to the impunity of which these, these, these agencies are able to retrieve information, even though it's not targeted, it's just widespread and the fact that it's like, oh, we're not targeting these people. We just like do broad strokes. But it's like the world's largest game of guess who. And yeah. they have all the pieces. Yeah. And so this whole episode, because normally it's just him in front of a desk and um, it's always funny. But it's kind of like usually it's kind of like he explains whatever the predicament is because Americans are stupid and hmm. including myself. And I don't always understand everything that he's talking about, even yeah. if I hear it mentioned like every single second on social media and yeah. whatever. So he kind of gives like a first, it's like a 10 minute breakdown of the surveillance crisis itself and what executive order 215 is mm-hmm. and uh, some other stuff. Then it takes a wonderful, wonderful uh, detour. Well, not a detour, obviously, but a, um, uh, you didn't expect it. I didn't no, expect it because all of a sudden he he got and he went to Russia to interview Edward Snowden, the person who's at the center of this whole thing, because mm-hmm. of the the leaked documents that he brought to the. Nation. There's going to be an Edward Snowden movie this year, isn't there? The Citizen Four, you mean the documentary? Yeah, that already came out. No, yeah. there's oh. another movie about Edward Snowden starring uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I believe. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, think yeah, I didn't so, know yeah. about that. But yeah. Citizen Four of a documentary is the one that's getting all the praise, mm-hmm. and, and this is like almost like a great primer for that documentary. Like mm-hmm. to watch this. 30 minutes because A, it's very informative and B, it's hilarious. Um, you'll kind of understand that whole entire context before because that's, I'm glad I watched it and now I want to watch Citizen mm-hmm. Four. But his interview with Edward Snowden is one of the best piece of journalism I've seen in the past he like, shook Snowden. decade. He, I don't even know that he shook him because what what's great about it was that he found a way to actually both convey to Snowden himself mm-hmm. And America at large, the extent of this crisis, like even after Snowden leaked these documents, they nobody didn't know who he, gave a shit. They confused him for Julian Assange, like yes. the leader of, uh, yes. of which he WikiLeaks. literally yeah. points out to him when he shows them talking head interviews of, "Do you know who Edward Snowden is?" And then they would be like, "Oh, he's like in charge of WikiLeaks," yeah. which is not true and whatnot. And Snowden's watching these reactions and kind of giggling because that's not, you know, he knows that's not true. And whatnot. he's so much fucking better than Benedict Cumberbatch all yeah. the way. And so uh, by the end of the interview, I'm not even going to spoil it. Because I don't want to, because I want more and more people to go watch this, both for to be informed about this problem and to also just let it uh, mm-hmm. wash over you. Because I'll just say this, the metaphor that John Oliver is able <laughs> to use perfect. Is, is perfect, because it literally is the only thing, apparently, that we can understand. And not only that, but then he shows the reaction of like the people that he was also interviewing who just... 
minutes previous was had no idea about the data. They become data. so much more articulate about this yeah. thing. And it's only because John Oliver flipped this hilariously crude switch. I'll just say that much. So go watch this interview. It's it's hilarious. It's one of the best piece of journalism I've ever seen. I literally mm. know more about this thing, and it's one of the funniest things I've seen uh, all month and whatnot. So go watch it. it. It literally went toward the end of the year. I always usually make like best of TV lists and movie lists or whatever. This would easily be in one of the best um, episodes of television I've ever seen, just to buy how powerful mm. and hilarious it is. So that's what I want to say about that. Seriously, go. It's all on YouTube too. The entire episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was I rewatched the film Gosford Park okay. last night, uh, mm-hmm. directed by Robert Altman. This has been one of those films that always was festering in my mind because I saw it like a decade ago for the first time, and I haven't seen it since then. But it was always one of those films that lingered in the back of my mind as like I remember loving, but don't really remember much about it because a it had been so long, and b it is kind of a slow movie, and you know it's a talky just. It sounds really, right up your alley, man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I rewatched it for the first time in years, and it is so freaking good. Literally, I, I sent out a tweet that said Gosford Park, and then like with Colin, is, my review was, what more could you want from a film? Because it is something that's it cracks me up at certain points. It's got some great emotional beats. Uh, it also has a murder mystery uh, plugged into it. I mean, it's literally just it's everything and nothing at the same time. Hmm. Uh, Robert Altman's uh, control of these characters, of which there are like over 30 or so because there's a um, if, for those who don't know, the person who created Downton Abbey, uh, Julian Fellows, which is not a great show, but I eat up because I think there should be more melodrama on TV. And the first season of that show is fantastic. Julian Fellows created that show, but 10, well, not 10, probably 14 years ago, he wrote the movie, uh, uh, Gosford Park, and you can totally tell it's the same writer because it's pretty much the same setting and characters and archetypes and whatnot. And what he does is he uses this one weekend on a hunting trip in a British, uh, you know, upper class uh, castle and whatnot. Well, not a castle, but like a mansion, to kind of expose uh, social class like disparity and gender differences and whatnot. Because he, the film itself follows the upstairs and the downstairs, the the downstairs servants and the butlers and the cooks and whatnot, and the upstairs nobility and whatnot, and where they of course cross and meet and where they completely separate and whatnot. And yet he injects it with so much vitality and humor and pathos that it's just, it's, it's like a two and a half hour film and it's technically a murder mystery because even in the first 10 minutes you're, there are some lingering shots of a knife and of a poison bottle. You know, like you're being set up for this murder that will eventually happen at some point in the film, but it doesn't even happen until like an hour and a half into the film. So hmm. it's, it's not about that, obviously. It's about so many different things, but rewatching it it is just one of the best films i've ever seen and my hmm. my love for it has completely rekindled and i say that as someone who's never really loved robert altman films he he makes these kind of films all the time where he gets huge ensembles together and just lets them talk for three hours and this is actually one of the shorter films and it's like two hours and 20 minutes hmm. um and it, as i normally don't completely get on his wavelength of what he's doing um, in fact, the film I love the most of his is uh, Three Women, which is very David Lynch-esque, which is unusual for Altman. But this is the one time where he got a huge ensemble cast. It's basically every great British actor or actress is in this movie um, from start. I mean, Helen Mirren, you know, I'm just anybody you can think of is in this Clive Owen 
uh, is in this film, and that's what just makes it so watchable. Like every scene, at least when somebody walks out of the room, there's somebody else walks right back into it that you're like, oh yeah, let's let's go with this. And uh, so I basically just wanted to say that I rekindled my love for this film, and it is fantastic. All right, yeah, I liked uh, both your themes, your week in review. I'm really looking forward to uh, looking up that Julian Estrange thing. So that'll be good. <laughs> very funny Julian Assange oh whatever You're it doesn't matter you the problem Alex I was actually joking but thank I know, you I know you were That's oh okay. good I'm glad you guys picked up on that at least maybe yeah, the listeners will too yeah uh, <laughs> things that uh, I watched uh, this week in terms of my week in review I watched one of my favorite well two of my favorite movies of all time the first one was uh Air Force One with Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman. It's just so much fun. It's the president and it's these uh, these Russian crazy fucking terrorists who get in on Air Force One and there's murders and there's parachuting and there's all kinds of there's politics for some reason. Wait a minute. How long is the runway for that movie? Uh, Thankfully, they get off the runway. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you've been able to let that go because you haven't brought it up 16 different times in this episode. So that's good. Um, anyways, getting back to well, I'll try to get back to what I was talking about. I really did like Air Force One. I watched um, that with you, and I, you I that was the. It's been in quite a while since I'd seen it, but mm-hmm. that I agree in the sense that I don't like it as much as you do, but. Mm-hmm. That is some of the best '90s, in my opinion, cheese uh, that I that you could experience. It is, at least I would say, everything all the way up until the last 20 minutes. I'm fully on board. It's not until they start doing the zipline shit that yeah, I, that I don't care. It's a about. little uh, everything after, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to spoil it because it's an old movie. But everything after Gary Oldman's character is completely sidelined. Like, just doesn't matter. So the fact that the film thinks that it needs to have a 20 minute denouement is just ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree. But, and and the, the film, I think the problem that it has is it tries to have a double climax, which doesn't work. So <laughs> well, I, you can laugh about it, but it's actually true. They I think they're to... laughing because of sex. Speak for yourself, sir. What? <laughs> anyway, Never continue. Mind. Never continue. mind. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. And I just wanted to say, in a health class, they sometimes teach you that the word climax could stand in for the word orgasm. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay, Nick. You didn't have yeah. to explicate that. Anyway, yeah, continue. Thank, well, I did. I, I guess you did. I also watched uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Dark Knight, because uh, I was thinking about it while I saw Furious 7, as I mentioned earlier. And there are things about it that I feel like get a little repetitive as you watch the movie. and. I, I'm able to look past it because I like the characters so much. I love Batman and obviously the Joker, who is gray, which maybe I only think he's great because Heath, Le- Heath Ledger passed away, but I feel like he does such a great job with that character. makes it so entertaining. And uh, other things in that movie, even Aaron Eckhart, who isn't like the best played character, I enjoy pretty much everything. With I his- love his rendition of... of- of Two-Face, yeah. of, of yeah. Harvey Dent, yeah. And even Gary Oldman, who I don't think is a great, and we were talking about Gary Oldman, I love his, back in the day, like, Leon the Professional. Everyone! <laughs> Everyone! I, and I still like his character in Air Force <laughs> Thank One. Thank you for repeating that. <laughs> Mine was better, sorry. I like his character in Air Force One more than in Leon the Professional, but that's, I'm... I'm oh, not going to open up this can of words. That's fine. I'm really alone on that boat for the most part. But he's a different kind of actor now, and I didn't love his 
portrayal in the Dark Knight Rises necessarily, but I feel like he even fit in really well in the Dark Knight. So hmm. I'm not even a superhero fan, and I genuinely love the Dark Knight. Yeah, there are so many things about that movie that transcend through genres and things like that. And even though the more I've seen it, the more I've kind of gotten a little bored with certain parts of it. I still love mostly everything about it. So, yeah. All right, guys, I think we're going to bring this episode to an end. Uh, I did want to mention that next week we'll be talking about uh, the movie Inception, so we can argue about things again next week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I know that uh, a couple panelists uh, don't love it as much as the other two, so that'll be interesting. And uh, we'll, we'll hit on that more next week. Uh, again, if you wanted to uh, get a hold of us, you can send us an email at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on filmtankshow.com, uh, where you can uh, listen to the show. You can also listen to it on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we can also rate and review the show, and you can find us on iTunes, or iTunes, pardon me, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. From Nick Cheney, who's on Twitter at Nick J Cheney, to Sant, who is on Twitter at the Saint of Toos. Kenny is at White Limo sixty one, and I am at Alex underscore Deekman. Deekman, sorry. We'll talk to you next week when we're talking about Inception. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Bye, guys.